Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Candleland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Candleland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore. You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. How to save $1 billion. Allison, the best thing about Costco isn't the free samples. It's the savings. When you buy in bulk, you save money. That's how it works for your family, and that's how it works for the government. The stupid thing is, the government hasn't been doing it. That's done. We're making the changes, and it's going to save the taxpayer $1 billion every year. It's simple stuff like this that proves how badly Ontario was mismanaged under the Liberals. Click here to donate $1 if you're with me. We've got a lot more work to do. Doug. And therein lies just another casual fundraising email from the Premier of Ontario. It kind of made me want to go to Costco. I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and I cover Doug Ford and the Ontario PC government at Queen's Park. I'm Jonathan Goldsby. I'm the news editor at Candleland, and I covered Rob and Doug Ford and their fractious and eventually non-existent coalition at Toronto City Hall. And this is Wag the Doug, a podcast about Doug Ford. I promise to work hard. I promise to run an honest and positive campaign. I promise to deliver a strong, stable majority government. Help is on its way. And I can promise you, you will be heard. So all governments make and break promises pretty much 
on a, on a four-year election cycle routine. However, at this certain phase that we're at uh, in Doug Ford's administration, he has been breaking a lot of them. You know, it's almost too easy to forget at this point that he ran a whole election campaign and ultimately quite successful one without any real platform, without a costed platform, without anything. I mean, they made promises. He said things. He tossed random or semi-random numbers and ideas in the air. He also, I think very notably, has ever since he's been elected and and running his government, really emphasized the fact that he's kept promises. Whether or not that that's mm-hmm. true, the phrase promises made, promises kept has been uttered from the premier's mouth over and over again. It rarely makes sense in the in the context of what he's saying, which I guess what we're about to do is sort of debunk, mm. you know, these promises were made, even though lots of them arguably weren't even necessarily made in, you know... <laughs> or let alone kept. Let, mean, alone, let alone kept. It's a brilliant bit of gaslighting, actually, to just keep repeating promises made, promises kept, because... By and large, the electors, the constituents, the voters, and the people to whom he appeals are people who, for many good reasons, distrust politicians and are also can be credulous uh, listening to a person claim something over and over. And when he says promises made, call promises kept, many of them will take away from that, oh, he keeps his promises. So, so it's like running around saying I got A plus on my math test over and over again yeah. <laughs> without ever having even taken a math test. Yeah. So they are telling us that they are going to save Ontarians $1 billion per year starting in five years. So no money until five (laughs) years from now. So 2023, 2024, by consolidating procurement within the public service. So that the the email that you read off the top, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. that's what that was pertaining to. It's like shopping at Costco instead of shopping at Sobeys. Oh, so if I want a lot of paper towel, I can save a few dollars in paper towel. Right. And if you want a lot of nurses' uniforms, you can buy them at Costco. (laughs) I Mm. mean, actually, possibly. I think you can buy scrubs lots of places, but that's beside the point. Doug Ford is a fan of Costco. That's where the most Ford Fest were catered, catered by. That's they Ford Fests, the legendary burgers. They're just a truckload from Costco. True. What's that brand again? Kirkland. Kirkland. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, there's no problem with the idea of consolidating and centralizing procurement for a public service. Like, sure, that sounds like a great idea. The problem is... Now they have all these videos up on Twitter, social media videos saying, we're saving you $1 billion Mm -hmm. by doing this, when like they've done nothing. They've just announced this. And then maybe in five years it will have happened. Who knows? It's impossible for journalists to track. I mean, there's walls around the whole thing. I I, I just, it's foolish. Silly. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 always that longstanding trope in politics where there's, you know, a strong man generally who's promising to like, I will find the waste that no one else has yet found. I right. will, I will, I will find the solutions that for some reason no one has ever thought of. But then it also goes slightly the other direction, right? Because they've also simultaneously, a lot of people have alleged 
like fluffed their deficit. Kathleen Wynne's deficit was apparently unfair because of numbers having to do with pension funds and the Fair Hydro Plan. So the PCs kind of did all this work in the summer to adjust it, but then the number they came up with very few people agree with. So they so, almost made the be- they made the deficit allegedly higher to say that it was 14.5 billion when the financial accountability officer of Ontario for example says it's 12 billion. So they're almost inflating the negative to give themselves even more of an excuse ah. to find waste okay, or so the basic shock doctrine type stuff where you create a uh, a crisis or cultivate a crisis to give you more excuse to enact whatever uh, brutal austerity measures might not otherwise be as accepted. As ding, ding, ding. Do they really think there's a di- like the twelve billion to fourteen billion dollar difference would buy them that room? Would it? It's hard to say. Maybe it just sounds more dramatic. But the provincial comptroller, which is a civil servant position, her name is Cindy Venois resigned in September to kind of very low, it was, you know, kind of hovered under the radar because no one knows really who this person Mm -hmm. is or what that job does. But public service in charge of sort of signing off on this thing wouldn't sign off and then quit because she believed that PCs were fluffing Mm. the deficit. So I think shock doctrines a, a good way of explaining it, sure. So one of the promises Doug Ford made repeatedly during the election campaign was that no jobs would be lost, no public service jobs would be lost under his administration. So the reason that promise was made so many times during the campaign was because in Ontario's previous general election... We've added 300,000 to the government payroll and we've lost 300,000 manufacturing jobs. Those numbers just don't balance. The last PC leader, Tim Hudak, disastrously campaigned on the idea of cutting 100,000 public service jobs, which basically lost him the election. So I'd reduce the size of the bureaucracy by 100,000 positions. So Ford wisely, I suppose, said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Everyone's job is safe. So we're talking firefighters, teachers, nurses, et cetera, et cetera. But he simultaneously campaigned on large tax breaks for the middle class and for minimum wage earners and on finding four cents of every dollar in efficiencies, which is, you know, billions. So basically everyone knew from the get-go this promise is going to be impossible to keep. A huge, huge amount of the public service budget, not just in Ontario, basically anywhere, goes towards salaries. So everyone was just sort of waiting for the ball to drop, I think, with this this jobs promise. And it really did last week. On our last episode, mm-hmm. we talked about the healthcare system. We talked about the elimination of LINs. Mm-hmm. They promised that. Uh, and then slowly and but surely, uh, Doug Ford finally gets up for a press conference, which he, he rarely does. Mm-hmm. But when he does, the, the truth comes out and he tells us that a bunch of management jobs, executive jobs in the LINs will be eliminated. So far, we've, we've made these efficiencies and not one person has lost their jobs. But do you know who's going to lose their jobs, unfortunately? are the people in the lens, the CEOs that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, the big silos they have there, the big executives, presidents and vice presidents making outrageous amounts of money. We're going to review everything. Uh, I've always said we're going to protect the frontline uh, people, which we have. We've kept our promise made, promise kept on that. 
So there's the gaslighting with the promises made, promises kept, because what they've done since then is pivot their talking line, not just Ford, but his other ministers as well. Now they're going to make sure there's no frontline job losses. So they've definitely tweaked, broken the promise and now changed the promise. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, Rob Ford said more or less the same thing when he was running for mayor. They promised that they could reduce the city's workforce strictly through attrition by just eliminating positions as people left them, promising that there would, in fact, be no need for layoffs whatsoever. Of course, there, you know, to actually realize the board's vision such that there was a vision, layoffs would have been required. Another long-running theme with both Ford brothers, uh, actually, it was interesting to hear that they specifically saying no frontline workers because they've always tried to find this walk this particular line where they express solidarity with frontline workers and particularly with union workers because they I mean they know that's a big base of support and I do think that on an individual to individual basis they do have a deep amount of sympathy for them they typically go after leaders the people making more money the elite. When it comes to unions, they talk about the, the union bosses they have a problem with. When they talk about the police, it's not the individual frontline officers. They talk about the, you know, the chief. The, and it's pretty much the same with any given organization where they try to find this line of, okay, we will attack this institution. We will attack this organization. But no, no, it's not about going after the people at the front. It's about trying to pick off these semi-imaginary fat cats at the top. So then, Jonathan, explain me this. Why are they now changing the education system in a way that the Toronto District School Board says is going to cost 800 high school teacher jobs? Are not teachers frontline workers? The fact is when Rob Ford was mayor and Doug Ford was co-mayor, unofficial deputy mayor, but basically co-mayor, they wanted to cut a lot of jobs. They tried to cut a lot of jobs. They cut some jobs. They got rid of several hundred garbage uh, worker positions, but due to union contracts, only get rid of the temporary workers. They wanted to lay off, I think it was well over a thousand other staff across a variety of departments and agencies. And it was only because city council stood up and fought back that they were able to, the council was able to reverse or stave off or just frankly defeat many of those proposed cuts. I mean, the fact is, if it were up to the Fords, they would aggressively reduce any workforce as much as they could, regardless of anything they've said about frontline workers or this or that. They'd come up with some other rationalization, justification, or excuse after the fact. And frankly, to a lot of, or if not most of their supporters, it would sound perfectly reasonable because people want them to make government smaller. They don't like identifying in advance, you know, we're going to target these people, these people, or these people, because that's a really good way to energize a particular constituency against you. And also because I think on an individual basis, they do have some sympathy for the people. But as, as an abstract, they love going after things that, and I'm still talking about Rob Ford as though it's the present tense, but, you know, going after things that they feel in their gut are wasteful, useless, or redundant. Which is just why it's so funny to me that it's high schools. Are high schools wasteful, inefficient? I mean, if anything, aren't they kind of slightly starved for money and overcrowded? I think that's a better way to describe a lot of high schools Mm -hmm. in Ontario. Uh, Maybe I'll just give some background on like where that 800 teacher number Mm -hmm. comes from. So... 
ostensibly because Ford campaigned to get the SOCON vote during the PC leadership campaign, he promised to reopen the sex ed curriculum to new mm-hmm. consultation. Mm-hmm. Once he came into government, decided to basically bury or incorporate that into a larger consultation, I think just so it didn't look as bad, and also because they want to improve the math curriculum, fine. Yada, yada, yada. Now they're at this point where they're changing classroom sizes. So now some of the high school classes are like going to be an average of 28 kids, which if you think of the high end of that average, mm-hmm. that's like 30, could be, oh, no, yeah. could be 35 more Is kids in a class. 28 the median or the mean? Ugh. So those are the job losses on a larger slash more abstract scale. What about the more, I guess, arguably specifically targeted positions? Sure. Well, a couple come to mind. Last year, the PCs passed a bill, Bill 57, that did a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things that kind of came as a surprise to people was basically eliminated Ontario's environmental commissioner's office. And also, I think more egregiously, uh, eliminated the office of the province's child and youth advocate, which is basically an office that was there that if you were in foster care or any sort of other sort of children's aid system and were getting moved around too much or the person who was taking care of you was hurting you and you're completely powerless in the system at all, like this is where you were going to call and they were going to advocate for you and listen to you and try to get you out of that situation because you're a minor and you have no one else. So we don't have that anymore, Mm. Um, (laughs) which I think Mm. is really, really sad. And some jobs were lost in that transition. Part of the work is going to the ombudsman office, but very specifically the advocacy part, which is what I was describing, is not. And simultaneously, they're winding down an office that was run by the Child and Youth Advocate in Thunder Bay, Canada Land tie-in to your investigative mm-hmm. series, Thunder Bay. But that office was completely devoted to advocacy for Northern and Indigenous communities. So children in those communities, which are specifically mm. the people, the youth that are, you know, living in really perilous situations in that community. And now that office that existed is now completely shut down and everyone who worked there has lost their jobs. So I don't think Doug Ford was promising that on the election campaign. What was their stated reason for doing that? They would excuse it by saying, oh, we're just rolling it into the ombudsman office and nothing's really going to change even though it's an efficiency an efficiency sure uh even though specifically they the advocacy part did not simultaneously yeah the environmental watchdog is getting rolled into the auditor general's office and both of those things are sort of coming to fruition the bill passed last year but they're coming to fruition i think on may 1st or april 1st in the in the advocate the children's advocates case so diane Sachs was the longtime environmental commissioner she's lost her job Five people from her office lost their jobs, and there was a Toronto Star story about that this week. And I just thought it was very funny because the premier's office spokesperson is quoted, I guess they asked him, like, well, why are you letting these people lose their jobs? No one's supposed Mm -hmm. to lose their jobs. And they said, "Uh, any staffing decisions made during this process were made by the Office of the Auditor General. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) So that's one way to throw the buck. (laughs) Wait, so... They merged the offices and, and cut the budget and left it up to the Auditor General to decide how many staff positions they could have? I mean, barely, but it seems to me like the Auditor General was like being 
even acceptably generous to take in any of these of these staff and probably has already stretched his budget so thin it was oh so that, of course they didn't give the auditor general extra money I to don't accommodate think so uh, no and and I mean it was their exact legislation that legislated the end of these jobs all right let's talk about a promise that the PCs and Doug Ford have kept and okay. that is on the autism file oh great so that's going great sure well there's a good news story behind it all and that is that they promised and sort of the reason for them to make all of these changes that everybody hates uh, is because they really wanted to eliminate the wait list of 23,000 kids that haven't been able to get any treatment under the current system but it's just very funny how they use, you know, that that pledge, that promise language in that case to almost excuse this disaster that mm-hmm. they've, you know, set upon themselves. So in this particular case, like the promise will, I mean, destroy them almost. <laughs> What did they do? They changed the autism funding system. Basically, as it stood, a small number of kids were getting a lot of care or a reasonable amount of care, kids with autism, that is. And to clear the wait list, they have reduced the amount of care for the kids who were on it previously and sort of tried to maybe come up with a a democratic, more approach to it. But that means that a lot of kids are arguably going to be not getting enough services to help them develop simple things like learning how to put on their shoes and, you know, talk even a little and stuff that their parents are not equipped to really help them with. So what this has resulted in is, you know, mass protests, screaming from the public galleries, parents crying in, you know, the faces of of Lisa McLeod, the minister, again on the file, and just, you know, absolutely nobody being happy. Because Premier Ford has manufactured a crisis and implemented an autism plan that will make families and classrooms less safe. Uh, we heard Amy Fee. She's the parliamentary secretary on the file. She has two kids with autism. And she has said about herself that she and her her family are looking at taking out a large line of credit or like a second mortgage or getting an advance on their inheritance in order to cover the services for their own kids. And she's the parliamentary secretary on the file. So it's just been this massive mess. And, and MP, MPPs make like 116000 a year, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty well-paying job. Yeah. And she's a parliamentary secretary, mm-hmm. so there's a boost on top of that, too. <clears throat> I guess the, and the, the new funding system, uh, it's going to be dependent on age and be means-tested. And basically, nobody is going to get what they want. Which has bringing in another problem that now a lot of these kids that were getting lots of treatment are going to have to go to school every day in the public school system, which is ill-prepared for them. So the government has presented more money uh, on that front, which also made nobody happy. And all, I guess, yes, in the name of, you know, trying to reform this system, but on the back of, like, the promise of getting rid of the wait list. There's no way they knew what they were getting themselves into with this, was there? I mean, they should have because there was an autism uproar of massive proportions just a couple of years ago. How many people in the guess that, you know, in Doug Ford's inner circles 
were around in, in provincial politics in Ontario a few years ago? Not very many. However, Lisa McLeod, the minister on the file, was. So she saw this all. But I guess it's how much is this policy of her own making or how much did it come from the premier's office? And I guess that we don't know. How about how Doug Ford's been calling kids with autism his kryptonite? He's been saying that? Yeah. Weird. (laughs) And another broken promise has been all over the news this week. So Randy Hillier, the ex-PC MPP from Lanark Frontenac, Kingston, he was kicked out of caucus officially this week by the premier's office by Doug Ford for ostensibly yada yada yadaing the autism parents. Here he is in a scrum afterwards. So how were you informed of the decision that you were suspended from caucus? Uh, by a phone call from a um, from Cody Welton. And what did they say? I was suspended from Congress. For what reason? For saying yada, yada, yada. (laughs) So we should say Hillier apologized, and he also says and claims that he was, when he said yada, 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 he was saying it to NDP MPP Monique Taylor, who was, uh, he says, was like exploiting the parents that were in there for a political reaction. So he says he was never saying it to the parents. However, still apologize to anyone who may have thought that. So since then, Hillier has been uh, minorly outspoken and then and then majorly outspoken uh, about things he did not like about the premier's office. And after being officially suspended, he came out with this email actually rife with allegations or, or why he was thought he was fired. Uh, so it had some sort of minor things like that he wanted to attend his brother's funeral and he wasn't allowed. So they fired him. That was one of the reasons they wanted to fire him, which I, I don't know about that one. But then the biggest allegation and, and the one that people are now asking the OPP to investigate, who knows if they will, but that, uh, that, that, do I have the quote? Oh, Okay. Hillier said he was partially fired for raising concerns of possible illegal and unregistered lobbying by close friends and advisors employed by Freemier Ford. I mean, that makes me think of the the night shift, if anything. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like I like I just kind of assumed this is the normal background noise of a Ford having any proximity to power is all the various people both whispering in their in their ear and being solicited for their opinions advice and advice. Uh, I mean, obviously Ford, you know, Ford's office denies that. So, I mean, we should say, yeah, I mean, you said that the premier's office denies this. Todd Smith, who's the government house leader, said, well, today, uh, well, the day that we we're recording, well, we knew Randy was going to make some noise on his way out the door, kind of to, to dismiss it down that way. However, Randy Hillier is uh, always has been a particularly kind of independent minded mm-hmm. MPP, which I think is part of the reason, yeah. as he says, like he specifically names like Dean French and Chris Fogart from the premier's office saying they hated him off the bat and wanted him gone like from the campaign, basically, and that this was, you know, just a slow build of this and this finally happened. So whether or not that's true, uh, hopefully as a news consumer, what we're going to see is, is Hillier start 
providing some evidence to these allegations and, and some news stories out of that. I mean, I imagine, I mean, I imagine it's sort of the way that Patrick Brown and perhaps even Tim Hudak would have felt, felt about the prospect of Doug Ford becoming an MPP, which was a very real thing for, I mean, he is an MPP now, but, you know, it was a very real thing for a while, him threatening to run, him using about running, and just, like, would the headache of having him there be worth it? I mean, a person who has no interest in message discipline, caucus discipline, or anything like that. Well, and you can also remember that Hudak and Brown both dealt with Hillier, you know, mm-hmm. being a little bit of a wild card and, and were able to manage him mm-hmm. uh, in a way that worked and kept him in caucus because he's outwardly said also this whole time that he doesn't want to be kicked out of caucus. Like he's pissed about this stuff, mm-hmm. but he's, I think, mostly pissed that they're kicking him out of this caucus that he's been a part of for, I think, 12 years. When, when I heard he was suspended originally after the, you know, the remark he made in the legislature, I just, you know, see in, immediately see in my head just Doug Ford blowing up in his own office to say, you know, because this, you know, is talking about the autism file, which is clearly already a, a headache for the government. And Doug Ford basically, like, it's easy, very easy to imagine him being, basically being like, fuck this guy, like, just fuck it, get him, I, I don't want to see him anymore, get rid of him, I don't need this. Sure. And it might turn out to be like a lot of other potentially, you know, impulsive decisions that this administration has made, you know, those being the ones that really like blow up Mm -hmm. in their faces because no one's, you know, maybe no one's there to be like, oh, no, Hillier's going to tell the media everything. (laughs) It would surprise no one to find that uh, Ford's promise to get rid of insiders or elites or cronies or whatever uh, just means, you know, as it frequently does in government, replacing one set of associates with another. So, you know, uh, as this press release from Democracy Watch, which is Duff Conacher's wonderful advocacy outfit that counts Dan Aykroyd on its advisory committee for reasons that I one day may learn but kind of prefer not knowing. As Conacher recently reminded us in a press release, there have been quite a few appointments of Ford associates to positions to which they would likely not otherwise have had access, including Gavin Ty, who was the Ford's lawyer on one of their legal entanglements. I believe it was the compliance audits. But if not that, then one of the others, and I could list them, but I won't. So Democracy Watch filed a complaint about it. It's the fourth complaint Democracy Watch has filed that the integrity commissioner about one of Ford's appointments, following ones concerning Ron Tavener, Ford's longtime family friend, policeman, buddy, cop to northwest to the city, Don, who was almost very, very close to being OPP commissioner, but ultimately now is not. Of course, there was also Jenny Byrne, who was Ford's campaign person slash principal secretary, who was appointed to the Ontario Energy Board. And then another one, which I would not have otherwise noticed, uh, but there was also Ian Todd, who was one of these conservative campaign guys, who was also Doug Ford's head of tour on the campaign, is now Ontario's trade representative in Washington. That's Washington, D.C., not Washington State. He is not hanging out with Fraser Crane all day. He's also getting paid $75,000 per year more than Ontario's last trade rep for Washington. So uh, Doug Ford has successfully uh, eliminated cronyism at the provincial level. Promise made, promise kept. Oh, and they definitely broke that campaign promise about not ending the basic income pilot.
And that was Wag the Dog. I'm Allison Smith, and I promise you can find me on Twitter at, at Queen's Park Today. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and I promise things will get weirder and they will get worse. You can find me on Twitter for more inspiring insights like that, at Goldsby. Wag the Dog is produced by Kevin Sexton. Our theme song is remixed by Nathan Burley. Hey, we promised we'd be back. Promise made, promise kept. Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Candleland supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Candleland shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you. Basically nothing costs $2 anymore. You could like get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap and I'm not getting far. So sign up for just $2 a month. For the next six months, just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.